Oh, my goodness, you do not want to miss this podcast today. We're talking about some of the same weaknesses in the church in America that were prevalent in the church in Germany during Hitler's rise to power. And today is a big one. It's this whole notion about what is the most important. And what you'll hear many pastors today say is we just need to preach the gospel. It's all about evangelism. Don't ever talk about anything that was possibly offend somebody in your church or that would drive somebody away or that would hinder your opportunity to share Christ with them. But as as is true with any doctrine, if you push something to a far extreme, you get a very narrow, shallow, kind of hollow view, uh, and you miss the full responsibility of what the church is called to be. And we're going to make an argument today that you can make an idol out of evangelism itself, uh, and that the greater uh, vision that God has for us is lost when we compartmentalize our faith, when we stay away from important issues of our culture because we're afraid of offending people. Uh, you're not going to want to miss this. It's a great a great podcast and something that is so prevalent in the church in America today. Hey, welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. We're here again on this Thursday morning having more fun than we deserve and glad that you guys uh, are here to join us. Um, uh, I was mentioning with you beforehand, we finally have a, uh, a speaker of the house, yeah. uh, and uh, which, which again, in, in light of all that's going on in the world today, uh, it's important that America has a government that's functioning or at right. least attempting to, to function. Uh, and uh, I find it interesting, just as we were talking about, sometimes the strongest leaders um, uh, are the most disruptive and, and many times have a hard time uh, galvanizing the support of everybody. But I will say this, I, I got to know uh, Mike Johnson. You, gotta, you can't keep a Johnson down. I mean, come on, these guys, this guy's a good, a good guy. Yeah. He is a strong believer and um, uh, somebody who is uh, an attorney. And as, I, as some, I read about some of the comments about him, very cerebral, uh, but in uh, his integrity, uh, clean as a whistle, and just interesting how the Lord providentially moves people into positions of of authority, uh, and uh, and I, I can't help but believe that that uh, again behind the scenes here, the Lord has something up his sleeve because I think this is a a really really strong candidate. As we mentioned, though, there are also some uh, some other ones that uh, got yeah. shot down that are great strong leaders. I am personally, you know, kind of a fan of Jim Jordan. Yeah, of course, I am too. he. Um, could not make the vote, and we were just discussing. We, we say a lot of stuff on the podcast that <laughs> we, we should do a we, free we, podcast. We, yeah, a free podcast will get censored, and we'll get in a lot of trouble. If you ever want to actually know what we really think, just talk to us in person. <laughs> or we, uh, we can have the gallery in here. Yeah, right, let's get some chairs in here, and people can you know hear the what's really going what's on. What's really what we really think about things, you know. So we give you guys about eighty five percent. Uh, not because we don't want to, it's just because, you know, some of the stuff is a little inflammatory. No, but you brought up a good point. Yeah. You know, uh, he's a fighter, and, yeah. and he's a, he's he's a disruptor. disruptor in a good yeah. way, a disruptor of status quo. And sometimes those people, while they're valuable team members, it's hard to... Uh, they're not bridge builders, so to speak, or galvanizers yeah. in terms of getting everybody on board. Uh, 
And you and I kind of lean towards the disruptors because we're kind of disruptors ourselves. (laughs) (laughs) We have a little bias. We kind of want somebody to turn over. What you're saying, you're never going to be Speaker of the House. No, I'm not. Yeah, I won't get elected for nothing. You know, I I like that version of Jesus who just goes to the temple and just like start turning over tables. I like the gentle Jesus too. But you know, Jesus probably would not have been elected Speaker. I mean, he goes to Congress these days. I don't know. My personal opinion, he's he's bringing the whip and he. You know, he's cleaning out. He's cleaning out. That's my personal uh, opinion. How what what would Jesus do in that case? So, but nevertheless, you yes. know, uh, I think that's an important uh, step for getting our our government moving yeah. forward. Good to again. hear about that. Yeah, and I was glad to see that there was a, at least a coming together around a good candidate. Hey, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to have a I'm going to create a chart with the good Johnsons and the bad Johnsons. Okay, so so no, you're in a good good hey, pile. Good pile. You got this guy right. We got Ron Johnson. My name's Ron name's Johnson from, from Wisconsin. Yeah, he's pretty good guy. But then you got some other Johnsons, like, you know, over there in our neighbor's, neighboring city right th- right next to us. So we'll see how many, who, which Johnson wins out, which which column right, wins hey, out, okay? We'll, I cannot we'll, claim them all for my family tree. I, only the good ones, those the ones I'm claiming. But anyway, uh, we're in an important discussion, and, uh, and I can't think of anything more relevant than talking about the parallels between the church in, in uh, Nazi Germany, at least in, during Hitler's rise, yeah. and the church in America. America, uh, God forbid that uh, we go down the same path. Um, but um, but Metaxas in his book, Letter to the American Church, uh, said last in our last episode, we were talking about this this faulty view of faith, and um, he said basically that the German Church had a view of faith that was kind of propositional. It was rooted in believing the right doctrine and um, and and you know having your uh, your statement of faith on your website and so well we're Christians we believe we believe all those things are true but talk a little bit about about why that worked against the church and really paralyzed the church and why according to Metaxas it was a faulty view of faith yeah I, I think the easiest parallel <laughs> I can understand is you know the most detrimental thing you can do to your kids is when you preach one thing and don't live it out in action. Right. And your kids are groomed to understand that whatever you say you believe, you don't really believe in. It, it's it's worse than if you just say I don't believe it. Right. Because it creates this kind of like dissociative mentality and that that hip, being a hypocrite is okay. Right. Right. And that perpetrated the church in which they say they believe in something, but everyone can see that you're not living out those principles. Right. And that basically preached to the congregation and to the to the Christians say, saying, hey, you know what? Basically, you don't have to actually live out your faith. Your works do not matter. Right. We're Christians because we believe the right things and we're actually Lutherans. And yep. so we're good to go. We show up at church, you know, but but, you know, Bonhoeffer's point was you show up at church but you're not putting feet to your faith at all, especially when the the Jews were uh, basically disassociated from the larger public life, uh, and uh, and he, and Bonhoeffer said, "Hey, you you can't do that. That that's a, that goes against the scriptures. This is wrong." And and in his mind, every Christian in in uh, Germany should have been standing up and and fighting back against Hitler at that point. And and he argues, if they had, it might have been a different future. But they still kept going to church, going through the motions. And as we shared that that powerful story, basically singing louder. 
while the boxcars of Jews are heading off to the concentration camp, you know, we'll just raise the volume of our of our hymn singing so that we, we don't have to be, uh, you know, disrupted by the terrible sounds of Jewish people crying out for help. Yeah. You know, he said, that's no faith at all. It's a hollow faith. It's a, it's a faith in word only. Uh, and as you said, it's a very hypocritical faith, uh, which doesn't move you to do anything. You know, true faith, as we mentioned last week, is really about trusting the Lord with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. And the faith of Luther that that Bonhoeffer was challenging them to was a faith that, you know, literally stood against, talk about disruptive, right? Stood against the powerful voices of their time and said, basically, I'm a captive to my conscience and my conscience is captive to the word of God. And therefore, I'm not, I can't bend or bow on this issue, even though potentially it cost, could cost him his life. Um, could cost him everything. And, and Bonhoeffer's saying, where's that kind of faith that's willing to lay it all on the line yeah. uh, and stand up for truth? So that that was something we hit on last week. I encourage you to check out the podcast if you missed it. Um, but let's talk about the, even this even this title, all right, is something that uh, I could already anticipate, you know, some some pushback on. Oh, man, it's disruptive we, in the self. Yeah, yeah, the title's disruptive. He said that the, the a second problem with the church in Germany was the idol of evangelism. Uh, how in the world can something as good as evangelism, you know, become an idol? Yeah, this is a, this is a <laughs> controversial topic, yes. but it really shouldn't be controversial. I think it's controversial in our day because we have a we have twisted idea of what right. Jesus had the, really the, called the, us to do. At first blush, the title is controversial. Like, how, what do you mean an idol of right. evangelism? But let's flesh that out a little bit yeah. because, it, you know, his point is if we elevate an idea too far, right. we actually distort it and we, we, we push it out of, um, out of balance. And so the question we're, we're talking about today is can evangelism, something so good, so central to the right. gospel, be pushed to an extreme? Right. And we talked about that before, you know, when the, the what justified by faith alone can be pushed to the extreme, but you were saved by through works can be pushed to the extreme. We right, talked right. about the, the, the pendulum swings back and yeah. forth. So, so, it's not, so when, we, when we emphasize faith, we're not throwing out really the demonstration of true yeah, faith, which is godly works, the yeah. evidence of faith. And then we're also not celebrating works to where we forget that it, it's not our our, our efforts yeah. or our own strength. It's it's by faith, it's by grace. Right. Um, but the two are not mutually exclusive. Right. They and, work together, right? Yeah. In, in this case, I think it's the same thing. Evangelism, evangelism absolutely has this place in the Great Commission, you know, in the Great Dominion, you know, that God's called us to do. Yeah. But when you elevate it as the the pinnacle, the essence, the, the only the thing only, that matters, yeah. all of a sudden you lose so much. So let's, let's put this in context, because you and I are both saying that this in particular is something that, and, and we've talked in, in previous podcasts, I have worked hard to try to mobilize the church to get engaged on some of these issues. And this, to, to me, is probably the biggest one we're facing in America today uh, in terms of, if we want to call it the idol of evangelism, because basically what the, what they're saying is this, a person's soul is of infinite value. Um, we're called to see that person saved. And basically, we shouldn't let these these unnecessary or secondary things get in the way. So if I'm standing in the pulpit and I'm, I'm, I'm preaching against um, uh, 
whatever crime, a corruption in the government or, or, or an election sermon. And, and you got a candidate who stands for abortion on demand and supports all of the uh, same-sex marriage and everything that the Bible clearly speaks against, then basically I shouldn't do that because somebody might get offended. And if they get offended, then I just lost my chance to share Jesus with right. them. And if I lost my chance to share Jesus with them and they spend eternity in hell, um, who cares about these other issues? I've just basically ruined an up. In, in other words, I'm responsible at that point for that person going to hell because I decided to talk about sanctity of life. You offended them. I offended them. Right. And they are so offended they can no longer hear the gospel and get saved. And, and I actually, you know, during the pulpit freedom uh, Sundays that we were taking part in, uh, basically fighting for the right of the church to speak on these issues and not to be censored by the IRS or any government agency, I actually had a major news, uh, national news uh, outlet that was in our service on that Sunday. And afterwards, we held a, we held a, a kind of a press conference where people could ask me questions, and and so. The one of the questions, interestingly enough, that came out was, you know, well, Pastor Johnson, um, if someone comes to church and maybe they're a Democrat uh, and or they liked that Democratic candidate who stood for these things, um, and you basically challenged them uh, and they were offended and they walked out, aren't you concerned about that? Are you concerned about possibly offending somebody in the congregation? And and I I looked at him with a strange look, like. That thought has never crossed my mind. My, my goal is not to worry about offending people. My goal is to proclaim the whole counsel of God. My goal is to proclaim the truth and hope that that person will be impacted by the truth and that they'll actually change. Not that I'm going to change the truth or water down the truth right. to avoid offending every possible person who could, who could be offended. I mean, if that were the case, we would have a very, very shallow Gospel, and that is indeed what I would argue is what we have today in many places, and that's exactly what the church in Germany had was a very narrow, shallow, unoffendable gospel, which isn't a gospel at all. Yeah, and, and on face value, this seems to yeah. make a lot of sense, like you said, because a person's soul is, you know, invaluable. And if we can only get them saved and say those magic words and, and, and you know, you know, be redeemed and go to heaven, then then is anything else worthy of of that achievement, right? But then again, now he makes a statement here, which I really like. He says, you know, we assume this person, since they have said those words or believe and become converted, they were all they will go along and follow the rest of what the Bible teaches yeah. on morality, on sexuality. We pray for them at the altar yeah. and then, you know, perhaps they continue coming to church and eventually they're going to have the right view on all of these, quote, political issues, yes. especially as it relates to the so Bible. So we don't need to teach them. Yeah, they, teach them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't offend them with it. Right. Just let them gradually kind of be assimilated into a Christian worldview. Um, but as, as we've seen in real life, it just doesn't work that no. way. And if you look at the American culture today with how many people would claim to be like Christian, right. Um, and in fact, that number is shrinking all the time. We're having a group of nuns, N-O-N-E-S, and people right. that have no affiliation. Yeah, they're, they're, that's growing. Right. And and then when you look at the actual impact of the culture, like is is the culture becoming more like Jesus? Um, are, are the values that we're sharing as a people becoming more and more like biblical values? No, it's not happening because you can't avoid the issues, and you can't. And certainly, if you're going to avoid the issues at church. Where are these people going to learn these things? Well, I would say that 
forget like the controversial issues on, on biblical sexuality or on life. I'm talking about how many of these Christians don't even believe that Jesus is the only way, truth, and life. Yeah. I, I mean, again, ba- base, yeah. basic or that he's doctrine, sinless. or that the the scripture is the word of God, and the inerrant word of God. I mean, so so now you're 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 just not losing your front on these controversial political quote unquote issues. You're losing your front on these doctrinal central issues that defines what does it mean, what does it mean to be a Christian. Right? I mean, that's Absolutely. what the surveys are Absolutely. saying. These Christians, self-identified Christians, don't even believe in Jesus. Because you know? if our focus is on not offending the world, you're going to have to cut out most of the scriptures. Yeah, cut out Jesus. <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. So let's just pause for a minute. Uh, it's not g- funny. G- just, given, yeah. given the, uh, obviously, the uh, the importance of, you know, what is a profit of man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? We're not minimizing, just to be abundantly clear, we're not minimizing uh, evangelism and, and the evangelism efforts that the church should be leading. What we're talking about is the full scope of the gospel. And and I guess when you ask the question, does the Bible talk about anything else besides evangelism? And the answer would be absolutely, absolutely. In fact, Metaxas points out, um, he says the Bible talks about things like building walls and fighting battles. I mean, look at Nehemiah. What, what was Nehemiah? What's the whole book deal with? It's about going back and rebuilding the temple and reestablishing worship and fighting your enemies who are trying to kill you along the way. Um, I mean, there's almost this naive view of the gospel that's where there's no evil. You know, we talked about this before. There are countries that absolutely uh, terrorize Christians to this day. Are we are we basically saying that all we need to do is say go to communist China and try to win a few people to Christ? But hey, don't worry about the fact you're going to live under the iron hand of communism and that people might you know you won't have opportunity, you won't have jobs, you won't be able to raise your family, you won't be able to share your values, you won't be able to preach your faith. Oh, but don't worry about it. You're going to go to heaven. I mean, what kind of a good news of the gospel is that? It's like it's like telling the slaves on the slave ship. Hey, we're going to have a Bible study with you guys, and we're going to lead you to Christ. But we're not going to talk about the evils of slavery because, God forbid, we want to offend anybody. Right. Um, wh- what is that? That's not the gospel. The gospel liberates you from tyranny. The gospel gives you freedom to raise your family, to to build your walls, to fight your battles, and fight your enemies. But see, even now, you are being disruptive because you oh, are talking about the again. gospel being... of the kingdom of God <laughs> and not the gospel of just evangelism. And we, t- we addressed this yeah. issue in the past. It seems so subtle, but you just made a huge distinction. What's the difference between those two things? And so many Christians have never been taught, never lived, never understood, never seen it. They never seen the, the demonstration of these words coming to life in their very society, in their workplace, in their government, in their family, in their education. So they're, that's pipe dream for them. Yeah. So the best they got is go, get someone to maybe raise their hand and say, hey, you know, I'm gonna, I don't want to go to hell anymore. I'm going to go and be with Jesus when I die. You know, versus the full gospel of his right. kingdom. Right. I, well, I think even about, about the pandemic. So we had all these people that were going to lose their jobs because they wouldn't get a mandatory vaccine. Uh, which fundamentally, as as we kept saying, that's tyranny. You can't you can't make people, force people, to take a, a certain medical uh, procedure, or lose your or you lose your livelihood. Like every Christian, every pulpit should have been ablaze, shouting out tyranny, tyranny, and standing for these people. But it's almost like, hey, well, you know, just do, just roll over. You know, it doesn't matter. They're forcing you. Just be a good neighbor. And, and, and I'm thinking, you know, th- this is how the Lord showed me. Picture the tree of liberty, this beautiful, gigantic tree 
branches that spread out in every direction, right? Giant base because it's a solid tree. And, and so we're up here like out on one of the branches preaching the gospel in America. We have the, we have the right to, share, to go out on the street corner today and share Jesus with people. So you're out on the tree of liberty here, and you're out on one of the branches preaching the gospel, and all of a sudden in, in the backdrop you hear this giant chainsaw. You're like, it sounds like a chainsaw. And then you hear it cutting into a tree. And then you realize, wait, I'm out on this branch on the tree of liberty, like enjoying the freedom to share my faith. But the very tree itself is, is someone's trying to cut it down. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out if you cut down the, the tree, the branch you're on is going down. And so what I don't understand about pastors in America is the branch we're sitting on in this beautiful tree called Liberty that gives us the right to preach the gospel is under assault as we speak. If you lose the right, for instance, to preach the gospel publicly, or you lose the rights of conscience to where the government can come trample you, eventually you're losing the right to preach the gospel. Eventually what you're saying in the pulpit is criminalized. But you're saying, oh no, we just need to evangelize people. The freedom that you have to evangelize is under threat. I think most pastors is, is, yeah, you're, you're cutting that tree, but they think it's not my generation. And guess what? It's too, they need their brands to be on fire, yeah. <laughs> their localized brands to be on fire. And that's what COVID did. Yeah, Some absolutely. pastors start actually speaking out because their local brands was felt on the fire. Heat. They felt the heat. Yeah, they lost half their congregation or, or people were upset or whatever. Or yeah. their church was locked down with chains. You know, and then they're like, oh, wait, I guess I should speak out on this issue, right? Yep. I mean, this sounds kind of familiar to the Israelites. But, but, you know? but, yeah. but, but here's the thing. Like, if, yeah. you, if all you're focused on is, again, the idol of evangelism, right. oh, I'm not going to touch anything, I, I, you know, speak of anything that might upset somebody, we're just going to preach the gospel, then as you pointed out, it, you're preaching a gospel of salvation only. You're neglecting the fact that people live their lives, raise their kids, uh, get jobs, pursue the calling of God, build a culture that is supposed to reflect the kingdom of God. All of these things are part of the dominion mandate going all the way back into right. to Genesis. Um, and and if we so circumscribe the gospel to this narrow thing of simply uh, asking Jesus into your heart and, okay, good, you're going to heaven someday— then we make life on planet Earth basically irrelevant. Uh, and we're not going, you know, we're not doing what John the Baptist did, for instance, and in going before a wicked king and saying, you're, you're, you're acting in a way that's sexually immoral. We're not being like Jesus and going in the temple and saying, hey, all you money changers, get out of here. And, uh, and, he, and at that point, Jesus was not a, possibly worried about the fact that he might offend a Pharisee. It never even cried. In fact, Jesus intentionally offended Pharisees. We would say, well, you know, we shouldn't offend the Pharisees because, you know, we got to leave a chance for them, you know, to be open to the gospel, right? Uh, and if we offend, think about Jesus, if I offend these Pharisees, then they'll never come around. That was not Jesus' approach at all. No. Jesus went right after their hypocrisy. And, uh, and again, some Pharisees, uh, uh, like we saw Nicodemus coming under the cover of night, some Pharisees were convicted uh, because of the truth that Jesus spoke and were seekers of Christ. Others of them stayed absolutely entrenched in their hypocrisy. And, and you know what? That didn't bother Jesus. He never, he never tried to uh, 
to gather them together and give them a big group hug. He spoke the truth and he spoke it hard. Absolutely. He called Herod a fox, which was not a compliment. He called the Pharisees, you know, they said you're full of dead men's bones, whitewashed sepulchers. I mean, these are not, you know, <laughs> let's not offend anybody words. These are words that go right in and go right after your hypocrisy and sin. And again, we shouldn't be trying to offend people. But we also should not be trying to avoid the offense that Jesus said inevitably comes with the gospel. Yeah, he himself says, if I myself were rejected, how much more would you be rejected? Absolutely. I just read that the other day. And, and, and so here's a, it, it denies the sovereignty of God and the salvation of men. In other words, if, if the salvation of your neighbor is based upon how you can avoid any opportunity to offend them and just kind of have this pseudo cheap grace... Uh, syrupy kind of love where we just love people literally all the way to hell because they, we never challenge them with their lifestyle or the way that, you know, we don't ever share the truth with them. We're, we're denying the fact that it's the Holy Spirit that draws people to the Lord. And he is a spirit of truth. He's not a spirit of compromise. He's not a nebulous spirit. He's a spirit of truth. And when you speak the truth, obviously in love, but you speak the truth, we're trusting that the Holy Spirit is the one that brings about conversion in people's hearts. Right. So it's not back to gimmicks again or or back to formulas or back to... to um, our church is never going to speak about any controversial issue. Well, what, you know, as we point out, you might, you might draw converts, you might even have numbers, but you're not having disciples. And there's a big difference. Well, and, and that's the point. I mean... This is the example we were talking about earlier that probably could offend people. Um, but again, we're talking about... You're not going to yeah, yeah, say that now. Yeah, yeah. Some, somebody might... I am going to say My it. mom might stop watching. Yeah, nah, you, my mom's good. She's, yeah, your mom's, your mom's good. You know, it's, it's a lot easier to just have a bunch of kids out of wedlock. It's a lot harder to raise your own kids. In other and, words, if the goal is just having lots has, of kids. As many, has as many offsprings, <laughs> right. not son and daughter, as many offsprings as possible, that's a lot easier than truly raising a child from a baby, waking up in the middle of the night, feeding the baby to, to adolescents, and then getting them to go to school and training them, equipping them for life. That's, that takes real work, right? Yeah, and, but, yeah. but you go back to what the Bible, what Jesus taught us, he says to go and make disciples of all nations. Yeah. And how did Jesus make disciples? He walked with them. He wasn't making hundreds and thousands of disciples. He was caring for these ones, and it took energy and yeah. time. Well, and you've, you've had experience on the mission field, um, and, uh, uh, and this is not... You know, this is not focusing on a denomination or or an experience, but we've seen this in in the church world. A lot of times, your success is justified by, for lack of a better word, how many scalps you get, uh, yeah, how many notches on yeah. your belt, how many how many did you guys save this month? Yep. Um, and so there's this this ungodly pressure to create numbers, all right? Now, you're hoping these people are genuinely born again, but you've seen it too. Sometimes you do, hey, if, you're, if you want to give your life to the Lord, raise your hand. And, oh, great. We count them. I, we had 50 people, but then after that gathering, you don't know necessarily, like, where are these people? And did they genuinely give their life to the Lord? Uh, what was going on here? And is our goal just like, okay, great, they're saved. Whew, let's move on to the next one. Or, or is there something more, like you said, do we have to raise these kids? And again, what's the goal that we're raising them for? I mean, if, if all that matters is eternity, 
then again, let's euthanize them right now, and that way they won't backslide. Let's just right. send them on to heaven. But no, I mean, they live lives. We, we have jobs. We raise families. We, we train our children to have a Christian worldview to make an impact in the world. And none of that happens if all you're focusing on is um, how many folks raise their hand or fill out a decision card. There's so many nations that's over-evangelized and under-discipled. And you yep. see it in their government. You see the corruption in the streets. You see the corruption in their nations. And you're wondering, whoa, you guys are all Christians? Why is everything so messed up in your nation? You know, and it becomes a numbers game. Look, you and I talked about this earlier. I do think numbers are important because they're an objective way to look at the success of something. Things could be very subjective and emotional. Numbers give us objective view. Yep. But what number matters? Yep. What's the Scoreboard. What is the scoreboard? Yeah. You know, in, in the bas- in the football game, you don't count how many water boys you have. The right. more water boys you win, right? The more towels you have, you win. The more injury. No, no, no. You count what's matter. What's the scoreboard? Touchdowns or, or field goals yeah. or whatnot, right? Yeah. So a lot often in the church world, in the missions world, in the religious world, the number becomes a numbers game and you use that number to fundraise. But but I'm simply asking, what is the meaningful number that actually matters? And, and according to the scripture, what I see. I'm passionate about this, obviously. <laughs> it's disciples. It's making disciples and evidence of making disciples. You know, and, and again, I have a horror story to share. I'm not going to share, but that my point is, there. Need, I think there needs to be awakening. There are theological issues, and this book brought up that point, theological issues. And these guys who are doing this, I don't think they're doing it because they're evil or bad. Mm-hmm. I think there's an error in theology that that because we, 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 we lost track of how important the kingdom of God is and not just getting someone to raise their hands. Well, and, and side point, but there, there'd be no reason for reformation of any sort if our goal was just simply to gain converts. In other words, nobody would be reforming the slave trade. No, absolutely. Uh, that'd be way too messy and offensive. I mean, when you stood up against slavery in, in Wilberforce's day, you were ticking a lot of people off because there's a lot of money attached uh, to the status quo. Yep. Um, and you think about every reform that happened. Think about William Carey when he went to India and he, he stopped the practice of widow burning or he stopped the practice of, of offering your infants into the, the, uh, the crocodile gods in the rivers. I mean, so he's, he, his method of evangelism wasn't to go to these people and say, oh, yeah, don't worry about burning your wife or throwing your kids in the river to the crocodiles. We just want to share Jesus with you because we don't want to offend you because we know these cultural practices are really important to you. So we're not even going to touch on those. We're, we're just going to share Christ with you. Uh, it, no, the gospel comes with righteousness and, and the gospel comes with a reformation edge that says, if this is wrong, it needs to be changed. And there's always conflict involved in reformation because you're always tearing something down before you're building something yeah. up. And, and, and to avoid the, the nasty business of of uh, reformation and and knowing that you're going that the truth is going to offend and you're cloaking it with this virtuous idol called evangelism like all that matters is the gospel all that matters is this person's soul no that's not true uh there's a whole lot more that matters and you're not preaching the whole gospel um i also want to mention with the with the church in germany um they had this belief that if if they just let Hitler kind of run the government and take care of those types of things, and they just stick to their business, eventually, again, everything's going to work out. Uh, we'll just be the church. We'll just take care of people's souls. In fact, Hitler told them, you, you guys just deal with their souls. I'm going to deal with everything else. Well, you see how that works out when yeah. the church doesn't put government in its place. Um, the church doesn't speak to power. You can't compartmentalize just the soul. 
right? you can't compartmentalize life that yeah. way, right? No. Uh, yeah. Well, you, you bring up a good point. How do you how do you compartmentalize a person's soul? Right. Because your soul's not connected to your welfare, your phys, your liberty, your speech. You know, your marriage, your, your marriage, freedom to right. work, to have a job, to right. make money, uh, uh, to live your life before God. I mean, there's so much more. And I guess this is this is the thing that bugs me. It's almost like an otherworldly uh, approach, like. When we talk about souls or salvation, we're talking about eternity. We're talking about the next life, the other world. And it's important, obviously. We're not minimizing that. But it's like, what about this world and what God's what God has called us to do now as Christian people? Yeah. Um, it just it, it bugs me kind of the the uh, narrow mindedness or the short sightedness of that approach. Um, because again, you know, I told you when the battle was going on, for instance, for marriage, one of my good friends uh, lost his job. Uh, in a law firm because the company that was pushing same-sex marriage said, basically, we're not going to do business with you until you get rid of this guy. And and my anger and frustration over that moment was, no, we don't, we, we just don't roll over and turn the other cheek because what just happened to him, if that's allowed to go on, then my children aren't going to be allowed to have a career in, in the legal industry, right, in a law firm, because someone's going to tell them, oh, well, you believe in biblical marriage, so, you know, sorry, you're, you don't qualify for this position. That angers me that somehow my the freedom and liberty that my children should be enjoying is gone, because if I don't fight what happened to this guy, it absolutely will happen to my children. Um, because we're short-sighted again. Like, freedom yeah. matters. Liberty matters. Uh, and the whole gospel is a gospel that produces freedom and liberty across the board. And, America, and, and, and pastors in America have completely lost the, 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 the riches that we have in this country in terms of, of liberty. There you go, talking about the gospel of the kingdom again. <laughs> Just crossing that line over and over again. Yes, don't you, we are. Don't you think Jesus is going to come absolutely. and he's going to redeem everything? And we don't have to do nothing. We just got to wait for him to, you know, we, we don't got to do, we just got to sit on our hands and just wait. Don't you understand? And get people saved. That's all our only job is. I mean, there's a, a lot of theological issues we're not going to get into here. I, mean, I have a lot of beef a lot. I'm with you on the same page because I'm, I got young kids. And I am, I'm a steward of their future. This is not Come just on. like me just trying to be like, do something with my life. No, God gave me these beautiful kids. And not just my kids, your kids, Matt's kids, the next generation yeah. to steward their generation. I don't have the luxury to sell my hand and just say, well, you know what? I want to wait for revival when Christ come to redeem all things. He is. That's his business. But what is our business? Yes. What's our Because in the Bible, I don't see that. It says, hey, if you've been given five talents or three talents, in my case, maybe half a talent. If I don't multiply, I don't make our liberty greater, I'm held accountable for that. But I see Christians sitting on their hands because they're waiting for something to happen. Yeah. All you know, I'm going to say is that. I, I, another of my frustrations, I've seen major um, religious leaders, you know, huge platforms, uh, when something in our nation happens and they're looking for a pastor to kind of address it, uh, and they get lobbed this very simple question, but highly controversial. Maybe it's on sexual ethics, for instance. I can't think of anything more controversial in our culture today than, than for a pastor, say, to be asked about his beliefs on homosexuality on national television. Now, that's not a complicated question. Right. That's, an easy, that's an easy answer. The Bible's explicit right. about that. And I, I saw a major, uh, everybody, household name pastor, big church, uh, asked that question, basically, and 
completely danced around it, never addressed it, said, you know, that's not really what, what my job is, is to talk about those issues. I just wanted to let people know about Jesus and Jesus' love for them, blah, 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 and completely missed an opportunity to speak very clearly, thus saith the Lord, on national television. What a platform. The very next uh, guest on the show was somebody who was a military vet and who had gone through a traumatic situation on the battlefield. And, um, and he was talking about the importance of, of uh, uh, pets and how pets can bring healing to people who have gone through trauma. And this is what he said, I don't know where I would be if it wasn't for my dog. And I'm sitting there watching. The first guest was supposed to talk about God, G-O-D but couldn't mention God right. as the Savior and as the absolute basis for truth. But the second guest turned God completely around and basically said, if it hadn't been for my dog, I'd be lost. His dog was his Savior, but our God is the Savior. But the pastor, whose job is to prophetically speak about this great God, could not find the words to speak about it, yeah. but the vet could celebrate almost in an idolatrous way mm -hmm. that if he didn't have this dog, he'd be lost. And it just hit me at that moment, the paradox where we make an idol out of our dogs, but we can't even talk about our great God right. because we're afraid we're going to offend somebody. Right. It just showed me how pathetic uh, uh, the pulpit has become and how weak the pulpit has become and then how weak our congregations are because we simply don't lead them very well. Yeah. And we've lost truth. Uh, and so maybe that's a good place to put a, a, a pause here. But I, I'll, I'll end with this. He, he, he talks about a, a pastor, Frank Buchman, who uh, his, his goal was to get an audience with Hitler because he wanted to share the gospel with Hitler and lead Hitler to Christ, uh, as well as all of Hitler's uh, uh, cabinet. Here, here's the problem, because I've had some conversations with some pastors before, and they said, you know, well, if you stand up and speak against evil politician X, all right, then aren't you basically shutting the door to being able to share the gospel with that person? So, so let's talk about this whole issue of justice, first of all. This is like saying, you know what, let's, let's see if we can set up a meeting with the leader of ISIS so that we can share Christ with this person. Now, we should be sharing Christ with everybody, but when you have committed the atrocities that ISIS has committed, the first issue is not a sit down to, sh to hand them a track and share the gospel. The first issue is justice. They need to be brought to justice. What they've done is wicked and evil, and justice is the primary issue. Uh, it was the same thing. You, you got this naivete that here's Hitler. He's, he's creating concentration camps, trampling on liberty, shutting down the church, um, uh, attacking the Jews, um, slaw eventually slaughtering uh, his own people, the weakest and the and the infirmed, um, and and an American view is we're going to go over and, and just have an evangelistic crusade. Um, and again, Bonhoeffer's going, how naive can you be? Uh, these people are committed to an incredibly evil agenda, and first of all, they need to be stopped. They don't need to be invited to a crusade. They need to be stopped. Uh, and then after they're in prison, tried and in prison, then go share the gospel with them. Um, but th this was the, the naivete, and it's the same thing today. I've heard people say, well, you know, I don't want to be political because I, uh, I want to be like the Billy Graham. I want to be able to speak to both Republicans and Democrats. Well, this, 
America is not the Billy Graham America. Uh, we're way downstream from that. We're dealing with people now who are all about uh, uh, abortion, selling baby parts. We've already seen this uh, gender mutilation among children, the sexualization of our kids in public school. Uh, we're dealing with overt wickedness and evil. And if your approach is non-judgmental, non-confrontational, uh, then you are an accomplice to the evils that are happening around us. We don't, this is not the time to be uh, avoiding issues, trying to be, quote, non-judgmental. God's already judged these issues. He's called them wicked. And if you will not line up with the Lord and, and speak what he says about these issues, then you're trying to win a popularity contest. You're not trying to reform a nation. And I think that's the problem uh, with the church in Germany. Uh, let's just be nice. Let's, and then once they saw, there's consequences. There was consequences. Then they sh then they backed away even more because they were afraid. And um, as we talked about the spiral of silence, yep. if you don't open up your mouth when when it's cheap to speak, eventually it's going to be very costly to speak, and there'll be a heavy price to pay. Right. Um, and so, um, again, in America today, what would happen if the church would speak out on these issues? What would happen if we would mobilize our congregations? I think we could see a revival and a reformation um, that would come because we're committed to truth and not to winning a popularity contest. Um, so, Lord, help us. Um, Next week, uh, when we're together, we'll deal with some more idols and some more challenges. But again, I think just to be clear, we should be absolutely committed to evangelism and to seeing people come to Christ. I think the answer is, what's the full picture there? What does that look like? And we cannot take that and that only and throw out the rest of what the Bible teaches us about how to live a godly life and how to make disciples. Evangelism is a part of discipleship and our call is to discipleship. You know, it's like having the baby is a part of raising a, ch a child. Yeah. You have to go through the birthing process, right. but you don't stop right there. Right. You don't just leave a baby in the hospital and go I home. I think about how excited we were when my wife said, you know, I'm pregnant. Yeah. Yay! But that was just the announcement. <laughs> that was just, that was just the, literally the beginning of a, it's of great. a lifetime. It's great. You want that. It's yeah. We should celebrate. Absolutely. But you don't stop and just go home and be like, our job is done. No, you now have to raise that baby. Yeah, come on. As you and I have both have experienced. You know? <laughs> that's that's hard work. It's <laughs> hard work. But that discipleship is our, and it's so worth it, right? Absolutely. So worth it. Right? Absolutely. So if we're committed to uh, our children enjoying the liberties we've enjoyed and the freedom to preach the gospel and to live out our faith, uh, it's absolutely imperative that we have a massive wake up call in the pulpit. And I just want to say this if you're going to a church, and you're listening to this podcast, or you love Eric Metaxas. I've seen Christian, you know, oh, I love Eric Metaxas. Well, are you going to a church that's espousing all the things he's teaching? Well, no, our, our pastor doesn't touch on any of these things. And I just want to ask an obvious question. Why are you at that church? Or maybe talk to your pastor about it. Give well, your pastor this yeah. book. <laughs> Although I've seen from experience that that, that doesn't work very well. Uh, generally speaking, yeah. you're not going to convert your pastor. Your pastor's probably already figured out where he's going to stand on the issues. Yeah, the but it makes, it makes no sense to continue on one hand to, to say, oh, I love all this. And yes, and, you know, we appreciate this podcast. And yeah, 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 we need to be a bold church. And then you're going to a place that uh, that, that will never be that. 
you know, I, a good friend of mine was uh, getting an earful from a path, or from a parishioner saying how much he appreciated, you know, this guy's stand for truth and blah, 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 blah. And, and so he just boldly asked me, he said, well, where do you go to church? And he said, well, I go to, you know, it, it was the big, the big popular church on the corner. And he said, well, why do you go to that church? Well, because they have a really good uh, children's ministry. And he says, okay, time out. So you're telling me you appreciate the pastor who's sticking his neck out and standing up for truth, but you won't go to his church. You'll go to the church where the pastor never touches on anything. And the reason you're going there is because you like the children's ministry. Why are you on the phone blabbing to me? And why are you on the phone telling, you know, filling my ear with all the church, the church, the church, when you're basically part of the problem? Why don't you go to a church and support a pastor who is standing up for truth and who is sticking his neck out and who is, who is uh, disruptive? Why don't you go support that person instead of sitting again on the sidelines at a church that's completely safe and out of the game and irrelevant uh, and part of the problem? Um, you're part of the problem by supporting that. Mm-hmm. So I think it's it's really time to find your tribe. And, and, uh, and if you have a heart for reformation and you care about America and you care about the slide, uh, then you need to align yourself with a tribe that's willing to do something about it. I would say it. if you care about discipleship, if you care about the Great Commission. Great Commission, the Reformation is simply downstream of discipleship, right? Absolutely. So Reformation is not, it's not ref, we didn't make up Reformation. It's not like our idea. It's not like we just like, oh, we want to do Reformation because uh, it's a good one to pick. Reformation is the natural result of discipleship. Yeah, it's the reforming of things that are broken and need to be fixed, right. the, the, the evil structures and things. So anyway, yeah. um, I hope this is helpful to you. I hope it lights a fire in you. Obviously, we get fired up talking about this because this is stuff we're yeah. passionate about. Tone it down a little um, bit, tone it down. <laughs> uh, yeah, but please help us like this podcast, share this podcast, help us spread the word. And remember, we're chasing Joe Rogan. We need your help. All right, we'll see you next Thursday. 